What's up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, so make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, it's a trade deadline recap. What happened? what didn't happen and kind of how we got here. We'll look around the league, talk about what the Blazers did. One thing, they had a Delano Banton and they signed Ashton Higgins to a 10-day contract. Two things, but one of them at the trade deadline. And we'll look around the rest of the league and kind of the implications and the things the Blazers didn't do because of that. And then the Blazers played a basketball game this evening against the Detroit Pistons. It did not go well. Um, in a variety of ways, we will uh, we'll save the recap for the end of the show because uh, the basketball game against the Detroit Pistons, where some of the Blazers lost to some of the Pistons, is not the biggest news of the day. The biggest news of the day is that, hey, your Portland Trailblazers joined a bunch of teams with not doing very much. The trade deadline just didn't have very many fireworks. And as speculated by pretty much everyone in Blazerland, the Blazers didn't do anything. Malcolm Brogdon still on the team. Jeremy Grant still on the team. I, like, I don't know. Avery Simons, I guess, if you were really hoping for something big, still on the team. If you... If you wanted Matisse Thibel out of there, still on the team, whatever it was. Um, like the, they didn't make a move. They made one minor move. They traded a top 55 protected pick in 20 uh in 2027 to the Boston Celtics in exchange for Delano Banton. We'll talk about Banton in the second segment. But I I think in general, let, let let's kind of run down what happened in the league a little bit, and then we can get into why the Blazers didn't do anything. Uh, because I, I think that's the question you might be asking is like, huh, or you might be celebrating. Um, I think there is a people who, who are really excited about the pragmat, the pragmatic approach the Blazers are taking. So let's, let's get into the, why this was perhaps the pragmatic approach. There's just, it's not a lot of stuff happened. This was a quiet deadline. This was, um, this was a deadline for people who love obscure basketball players. Oh, Shai Hugbaji and Kelly Olynyk. Oh my goodness, what a what a trade! But it's like teams sat out. the The Atlanta Hawks didn't trade Shante Murray. The Lakers didn't make a deal. The Warriors didn't make a deal. The Bulls, puzzlingly enough, didn't make a deal. Like there were there were plenty of teams who basically didn't do anything. The Houston Rockets, you know, they made a deal. For, they traded an injured player for an injured player. They didn't do anything. Um. The teams that did stuff, the Knicks, they traded to get Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from the Pistons, who the Blazers played tonight. Uh, the Mavs, they made big splashes. Got uh, Daniel Gafford and P.J. Washington. Daniel Gafford, the center from the Wizards. P.J. Washington, the uh, forward, plays a little small ball center from the Wizards, or excuse me, from the Hornets. OKC acquired Gordon Hayward from Charlotte. I think Charlotte had a, a pretty nice uh, uh, day unloading unloading uh, um, veterans, kind of ushering themselves into a new era. And then they've also traded Terry Rozier, the kind of um, finally picking a path. And the path isn't try to win th 38 games or whatever it is. Um, and the funniest trade of the day by far was... <laughs> was the Milwaukee Bucks trading for Patrick Beverly. Um, I think there's been criticism from Blazer fans, and perhaps rightly so, that the Milwaukee Bucks like don't use Damian Lillard the right way. And they certainly don't use the Damian Lillard in the way that he was used to being utilized here in uh, Portland. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> Blazers would have never got, um, would have never signed up to have longtime hated rival Patrick Beverly join you. Pat Bev's going to help, I think, but extremely funny. Like Dame doesn't really have beef in the league. He has like long standing, probably like closing in on a decade of beef with Pat Bev, uh, going back to the 2014 uh, playoffs with, with Houston, like long standing beef. And now they're teammates. Definitely the funniest minor deal of the day. But there wasn't big fireworks. Nothing happened. In fact, by my count, uh, three, four, but three and a half uh, first round picks traded hands. Three and a half first round picks. That's that's it. The whole the whole dang time. I mean, you can go back to the heat trade with Terry Rozier and, and, and there's a first round pick traded. But like on deadline day, like today... The Hornets got a, a first-round pick from the Mavs in, um, for P.J. Washington. The Wizards got a first-round pick from uh, the Mavs for, uh, well, from OKC, but via the Mavs for Daniel Gafford. And the Mavs had to uh, agree to swap a 28 first-rounder with OKC. So they, like, moved some picks around to send picks out. And the Jazz got a first-rounder for um, when they sent Oshai Ogbaji and Kelly Olynyk to the Toronto Raptors. And really, the Raptors just probably wanted to get out from under. Um, uh, they have, they're they going to have as many as three first-round picks in 2024. It's probably just too many to add. So they said, you know, Oshai Ogbaji is probably better than the 24th pick in the NBA draft. Let's just, if we can get him, we'll, we'll, we'll call it a swap. We'll call it a fair swap. And Kelly Olynyk is pretty good basketball player too, although maybe not around for a long time. But that gives you a sense of what was out there. It gives you a sense of when the Blazers were trying to, and now who knows if they were trying to. I imagine my perception of what the Blazers were doing were receiving calls, not making calls. But when the Blazers were fielding calls, um, they just weren't, there just weren't first round picks to be had. I mean, the team that moved first rounders is the, is the Dallas Mavericks. Pretty much nobody else did. Like, like I said, like the Raptors kind of just like got out from under a first round pick because they were going to have too many in this upcoming draft. So there was like, they, they, they kind of flipped it out, but like Dallas moved picks. Dallas was a team that, that, that held on to their young players and, and you moved first round picks in order to upgrade. And I think the and Mavs got better. Um, I think the Mavs are equally, I think the Mavs are more likely to lose in the first round of the playoffs than they are to make the Western Conference Finals, even after these moves, but undeniably a better basketball team this evening than they were this morning. But they're the only team, because they're relatively desperate to get better, um, who move first round picks. One team in the league facing a generational talent. They have the thing that everyone wants who's chasing a championship. It's the market inefficiency, is have a player who's one of the five best players in the world. Luka Doncic is great. So the Mavs are like, they have have some urgency to go ahead and get good. And so what they do, they traded first round picks to go ahead and get good. No one else in the league did that. Which kind of speaks to where the Blazers landed. Yikes. If they were hoping to get a first round pick for, for Malcolm Brogdon, it just straight up was not out there. Um, you know, I don't know that I'm not like reporting that or anything, but like, just look at, look at the deals. It was going to be a second rounder. I think Charlotte might have pounced early on the Terry Rozier thing and made it happen. Um, and, and, and made it happen with the Heat. Uh, maybe the Blazers shouldn't have burned bridges with Miami so aggressively over the summer. And then they could have um, already done that. But they don't, they don't necessarily want to do that, right? But, but, but I think the, the, the landscape of the league, and I think this is important to, to kind of understand as we're talking about this, or as you're talking about this, or, or as you're listening about this, I think that's what you're doing right now. You're listening about this. It's like, 
one of the reasons the Blazers probably didn't do anything is because there wasn't much to do. Um, according to uh, Joe Cronin, when he spoke to reporters, he said that there was a bunch of calls and a bunch of interest in specifically Malcolm Brogdon, but he just didn't find a deal to his suiting and or to his liking that it suited him. Uh, and you look at you look across the board at all the action that happened today and all this like and the lack of movement of big players, the lack of you know Bruce Brown didn't go anywhere, who's long long rumored to be uh, the, the Raptors want a first round pick for him. Dejounte Murray doesn't go anywhere. Kyle Kuzma doesn't go anywhere. It's um, it, when when um, Boyan Bogdanovich uh, gets traded after after basically multiple multiple years of assuming that he absolutely would, the the Knicks traded two second round picks. Um, then Quentin Grimes in order to get to get Bogdanovich and, and Burks from from Detroit. There weren't first out there. It doesn't appear. It just doesn't, it doesn't appear. So I think you can think two things, and I think this is totally fair. I think you can be frustrated that the Blazers didn't do anything. That's a totally fair reaction, and also understand why they might not have. Let's talk about what Cronin said. Joe Cronin spoke to reporters, though, and I, I think this kind of speaks to where they're at. He spoke to kind of where they're at as a team and, and the, the sort of what the thinking is now. And I want to talk a little bit about that and kind of what it means for the future, because um, the Blazers kind of sat out this trade deadline. They can't sit out much, many more of these. Uh, they, they have to continue to get better. And today they chose not to for probably... Uh, pragmatic reasons. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Joe Cronin uh, and more in the second segment. First, I want to tell you about our good friends over at eBay Motors. They've teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd, my man Joshy, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. So whether you're prepping, prepping for daily fantasy sports or you are scouring the waiver wire as we head down the stretch of a season-long fantasy team, right here every week, I'm going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us for this week in the eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. He's got Marvin Bagley III. And as mentioned, Daniel Gafford no longer plays for the Washington Wizards. He got traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And the, the, uh, the you know, the the Wizards didn't get back, uh, they got back Rashawn Holmes, but they didn't get back someone who's going to uh, hop into that starting lineup. That's Marvin Bagley's to lose. He's the likely starting center. Um, and he could be, in, in, in Josh's eyes, really worth grabbing if he is still available in your fantasy league. As I always do before I read Josh's recommendations, I check if, if these players are available in my league. Marvin Bagley, not available in mine, unfortunately. But if he's available in yours, Go track him down. Go 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 track him down because um, big minutes um, when and he's and has a chance to be productive on a team that plays incredibly fast. A lot of possessions, a lot of stats to be had. Go find Marvin Bagley if you can. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. He's going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay eBay Motors knows a championship is about each player being a perfect pit, fit. Excuse me, a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you can always make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Whether you need brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, these prices, you're burning rubber, baby, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. So, usually after these days, Joe Cronin comes and talks to the media. Um, you know, big, big, he, he, 
GMs don't really have to talk to the media. If you're Leon Rose and you run the Knicks, you never talk to the media under any cir- circumstances. Truly, never has. Uh, but like Cronin on deadline day and 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 you know and early in free agency, he'll 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 have one of his his uh, public press conferences. He's in terms of GMs a very accessible one. But um, he, this is when he sort of makes his his public statements and public appearances. And it's these function effectively as sort of state of the unions. Um, this one was not particularly noteworthy. He talked about just, you know, he likes where the team is. And, and, and he didn't, um, you know, he, he didn't go as far to say as like, well, we aren't going to trade. You know, he, he, he didn't say we're desperate to be the 23 and 29 Houston Rockets. And if we could only finish... Uh, if we can only be like squarely the 11th best team in the West next year, I'll be deeply, deeply satisfied. I don't think he really thinks that. Like I was teasing him earlier this week and getting heated about it because I do think like um, a racing to the middle during a rebuild is a mistake. And, I, and, and that's kind of by not making a trade, it does feel like a race to the middle. But if there is no deal out there from Malcolm Brogdon, and I don't think the Blazers were really interested in any, in any meaningful way to trade Jeremy Grant, and they probably should have been um, because you um if you miss opportunities to get good you've they're gone they don't come back but if the market's not there and the market's pretty obviously was not there at this trade deadline it is it is the pragmatic approach to not make these deals right totally like i said i think you can be frustrated that they didn't make any deals while understanding why they didn't like i think you can i think those things can happen at the same time like dang i wish they had done something and dang they didn't do anything because nothing was out there and if you're really excited that they didn't make a deal great congratulations you had a a freaking great day i am happy for you what happened i am i'm legitimately happy for you it happened just the way you hoped um but but cronin you know he i'm not going to quote him verbatim here it's on the blazers youtube channel if you really want to go watch it um it's about 15 minutes of him chatting pregame um but he he mentioned that he didn't want the team to take a step back that he doesn't want to take any more steps back he wants to continue moving forward and that's why i joke about the houston rockets thing um like he he wants them to continue to move forward and i think there is something perhaps noble about that right is that he thinks like we have a whole bunch of young players in the roster. You know, we have all these rookies and second-year guys. We have Scoot Henderson. We have Shaden Sharp. We have, you know, every time is one of our longest-tenured players, and he's under 25. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's 25 years old. Like, they're, we're, this team's young. They Like, they don't... It's like... You know, Jeremy Grant is good and, and, and 30 years old, but he's not, like, ancient by any means, right? But there isn't this... It, there isn't this urgency to like dump veterans and, and go young. They they're they're young. They don't they don't need to necessarily do that. He doesn't want to take a step back. But then he also said, "I don't want to rush it," which is kind of, in a way, saying nothing, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't want to tank. He doesn't want to like and, and they might tank. Like they might just straight up lose intentionally the last handful of games this season. I don't think they'll do it for like ten. But I wouldn't be surprised if the final three are um, a lot of remixers. <laughs> Uh, they also might just naturally lose. They lost. They lost to the Pistons tonight. They might just naturally lose some games. They're really injured. Um, but like, they um, if you don't want to take a step back, but you don't want to rush it forward, does it just mean you want to stay in the stay the course? 
I don't think he means that. And, and, and I, I think I've learned enough from watching Joe Cronin do these things that taking him at his at his actual word is a mistake. You know, you recall this time last year that he said he was anxious to push all the chips in to to um, get a player and willing to overpay when they overpaid. So anxious to overpay in order to build around Dame. And he had literally no intention of doing that. Very clearly no intention of doing that. Um, so like, I, I, I'm really not going to take many of his, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to put a lot of um, credence into his words, right? Like he's, he's getting up there and talking to the media and saying what he has to say to get to the next thing. I think his actions will be much more valuable for us to interpret than what he says in 15 minutes in front of the media once once a year. Um, although I will remember the lies uh, and complain about them in my space that I get to complain about them. Uh, but here's kind of where I've landed with this. I think it's totally fine that they didn't trade Malcolm Brogdon today. I think it's totally fine they didn't trade Jeremy Grant today. But I do think if they start next season, particularly with Malcolm Brogdon on the roster, along with these three young guards, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, and Scoot Henderson, it would be a pretty bad mistake. And let me offer you this, because I see this sort of dichotomy too often. The Blazers are allowed to trade Malcolm Brogdon for another adult. When I say that the Bla- I would, I, I think the Blazers should trade Malcolm Brogdon, it's to get rid of the logjam, right? They, um, to... They have too many guards that are best with the ball in their hands, and Malcolm Brogdon's one of them. He's good. And if you can trade him for an upgrade for a player that fits better next to the three guards that you already have, and Shane Sharp, again, is like someone who seems to thrive, even though he has some off-ball skills, seems to thrive better when you give him the ball and say, go. Um, He seems to lose some of his aggression when you stick him in the corner. He doesn't always rev up the same way. So, like... I think they need. I think eventually this summer they need to. They, I'm sure they will, and they really need to revisit it and get value from from Malcolm Brogdon as as this in the off season. And if they do so, I don't mean they need to go young and they need to, you know, shed money and be cheap and get draft picks. What they should, if if they really do want to prioritize being somewhat competitive and having functional development by having their their young players on the court, but in like an environment where they're not getting um, shredded all the time. You're allowed to trade Malcolm Brogdon for another adult. You're allowed to trade him for another veteran that fits the roster a little bit more. You're allowed to trade him for a wing or a, or a backup center or like like someone who can provide mentorship um, and teach players how to be professionals in the league, but also like not get in the way of guys playing. You can do both, and that's the challenge. I don't think it was there for them um, this trade deadline, but um, th- this idea that it, that trading Malcolm Brogdon means. Tr- um, draft picks only is like is so silly to me. It's so silly to me. It, it's it, it, you can make trades in a variety of ways, um, and the Blazers will this offseason. I, I they are char they are challenged with finding a real trade um, for for Brogdon because they just clearly need to do it. And I, it's like and entertain it for Jeremy Grant too. Um, he's not as much because there's not like they need his help at the forward spots more, right? But um, entertain it because you know it's very unlikely that the next time the Blazers are good either of those two dudes are on the roster so go ahead and get the, start the process don't rush don't, you know don't take a step back but don't rush continue to move forward by doing nothing here I think it speaks more to the market but doing nothing again this summer would be very worrisome and I don't think they will um, but I think that's that's kind of where I landed on this um where I landed on this trade deadline is they've narrowed their window to like really needing to get draft free agency trades right all this summer. It's big, big, big summer for them. Um, and after after sitting out this trade deadline, um, they got to figure it out real quick. Who is Delano Banton? Um, Banton, excuse me. 
he uh, the Blazers sent a top 55 protected pick in 2027, second round pick, uh, to the Boston Celtics to get Banton. Uh, it's never gonna the that pick will never be traded. It's a fake pick. Uh, basically, the Blazers have a 2027 pick that they owe the lesser of. They get the lesser of the worst of of, um, and and the better version of it goes as a swap with with the New Orleans Pelicans. So in order for it to go to the um, Celtics, both the Pelicans and the Blazers in 2027 would have to finish with two of the five best records in the league. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, so. The pick's fake. They just get a fly. They get to take a flyer on 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 Banton. Um, if you were to kind of like describe my favorite type of player, he's exactly it: six eight, six nine, skinny point guard who absolutely cannot shoot. He was the forty sixth pick in the twenty 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 one NBA draft. Um, spent the first two years with Toronto. Spent this last uh, half season with the Celtics before coming over. Career three point four points, one point seven boards, and one point three assists. Um, Shoots 41% from the floor for his career, 25% from three, and 67% from the free throw line. Um, he's like a big dude who has some ball handling and playmaking skills, but he's like not a pure point guard, but he's like more of a guard because he's skinny than he is um, other positions, but he's tall. Um, and he, like, I love weird players and I love big point guards who can't shoot. Banton is like, Banton is like the perfect player for me to root for. I don't think he's good, to be clear, uh, but I do, I do enjoy him. I, I watched a bunch of him. His, Second year with the Raptors, I have not seen him play a single minute in a Celtics uniform, but I watched him a bunch from his second year with the Raptors, and I was like intrigued by him, um, but he's he just, you know, if, if he pans out, great, an interesting flyer on a 24-year-old. If he doesn't pan out, no biggie. It's a second-round pick that as soon as you hit the 2027 NBA draft, it will be yours magically again. Okay, the Blazers played a basketball game today, believe it or not. Let's talk about it. <laughs> they they lost to the Detroit Pistons in overtime. Um it was a weird one on a weird night in a weird time for the league when basically everyone play everyone plays despite and a bunch of teams not having enough players to to be competitive and the Blazers for their own part were also injured. Um, let's talk all about that, but first let me tell you about Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level, like the 2024 Nissan Rogue. It's perfect for city drives and great escapes. It's got class-exclusive Google built in to your always-updating assistant so you can call on it for almost everything. That's Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play, all built right into a 12.3-inch HD touchscreen. It's got the infotainment system, so you don't got to plug in your phone anymore. You don't have to connect your phone via Bluetooth. It's just right there waiting for you when you get in the car. And the 2024 Nissan Rogue is the perfect midsize crossover for your next adventure. But maybe you got a bigger gang. Maybe you got a bigger crew and you want to be cruising around in true luxury. Well, how about checking out the 2024 Nissan Armada? Why don't you just change your expectations for a full-size SUV? Picture a rugged 4x4 that can seat up to 8 in first-class luxury and style. Toe bigger, explore further in the 2024 Nissan Armada. Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Blazers played a basketball game today. Believe it or not, they played a basketball game today. We're going to go our, do our fastest recap in the West and talk about what we saw in the game that went to OT. 
Let's do what we do, baby. Blazers lose 128-122 to the Pistons. Malcolm Brogdon and DeAndre Ayton missed this game due to illness, a general illness in the box score, which is a classic tank commander, general illness. They're not tanking. This is just a classic, uh, classic joke. Um, General illness sidelines them. They were conquered by the general. Uh, Scoot Henderson did not play in this game. Left foot sprain. Duop Reith was a late scratch with right knee tendinitis. So the Blazers rolled out a starting lineup of Anthony Simons, Matisse, Stiebel, Tumani Kamara, Jeremy Grant, and Jabari Walker at center. Luckily, they were playing against the Detroit Pistons, who just didn't have that many available players. Um, they only had nine dudes healthy. Uh, they called up another guy, so they technically had 10, but like nine, nine, nine guys, plus, including two ways, available in this game. They waived Killian Hayes today. They waived Daniel Gallinari. They traded Bogdan, Bogdanovich. Um, they tra- they traded, uh, or excuse me, Boyan Bogdanovich. They traded Alec Burks. Like, they're, they're just light on guys because it's deadline day and the, with the deals pending and stuff, like, guys aren't available yet. So they were super, super light-handed too, or short-handed, rather. Um, so yikes shorthanded on shorthanded some of the blazers for some of the pistons and portland led early 30 to 25 they had a monster second quarter 41 points in the second quarter shot 63 percent from the floor uh led 71 56 at the break and they were cruising they led by as many 20 in the second quarter and led by 23 with four minutes and 59 seconds remaining in the third quarter amphrey simons hits a technical free throw cash he checks out ashton Hagens, newly signed blazer checks in Blazers are up 23, five minutes left in the third quarter. It's time to just roll on home against the worst team in the NBA, except they blow it. <laughs> Every time it didn't come back in the game. He had a sprained ankle and he was listed as questionable. Um, questionable never like questionable just so rarely means you come back in these games. Like if you if you get a designation that isn't just like he's coming back, then you're like you're just it's just unlikely. And so as soon as they said on the broadcast, Anthony Simons has been has, is, is questionable to return. It's like, whoa. But the, at that point, the Pistons have cut a 23-point lead to 12, and the Blazers are just holding on for dear life because they're just without, they just don't have their skill, right? Like, they miss Malcolm Brogdon because he's good. They miss Scoot Henderson because he's just like, he can dribble, and they're desperate for someone who can, like, dribble towards the rim and get their own shot. They miss Duop Reith because he can shoot. They were missing DeAndre Ayton because he's been really good recently. Like, you know, there's, there's four players who play a ton, um, not to mention the guys that are out for the for the remainder of the season. So uh, the Blazers, you know, they're they're close the third quarter, only up 13, 97, 84. Uh, that 23 point lead whittles down to 13 in the final five minutes of the third. And then it just it just gets away from them. Uh, they do not ever give up the lead. But in the final two minutes or final minute, excuse me, final 70 seconds up by four, they give up. Uh, they give up a jumper to Cade Cunningham. Then they give up off a rebound, a fast break bucket to, to Asar Thompson. And Jeremy Grant gets the ball back with a shot clock off, a chance to hold for the last shot. The Blazers call a timeout, and they're just going to set up like a, a go-get-it type of play for Jeremy Grant. These are good, right? Like, I've I mentioned this in the past. Um, at the end of games, you want it to be simple. Um, there's a, With a lot of time left, it, it gets uh, gets a little harder if your guy doesn't have a really strong handle, and Jeremy Grant certainly does not have a strong handle. But, like, in general, uh, in a tie... I, in a tie game, I'm in favor of one four flat. I'm in favor of get you know flat being like guys on on the flat against the baseline and just like one on one go take a jumper and you'll just live or die with it. Like the number one thing you want to do is is get the very last shot of the game. Make sure the other team does not get another chance. And if like you have someone who can go get their own shot, like, sure. The problem is that the Blazers had just been riding Jeremy Grant. Like, okay, you're gonna save us, dog. And he had been really good, but once Ambry Simons checked out, like. 
It was just so clear that it was like the plan was give the ball to Jeremy and hope he does it. Like it, there wasn't um, the the they were just isoing him and they were just giving the ball and just letting him go to work and he was going to work like he scored a kajillion points finished with forty nine um, a career high but like the Pistons knew it everybody knew it everybody in the gym knew it and so he gets the ball and kind of gets off it for a second and then he gets it. Um, he throws it, he's kind of a little too close to the sideline, and he gives the ball to um, Matisse Thibel. Matisse Thibel says, oh, okay, you picked up your dribble. And Matisse tries to do something where he, he he just catches it and throws it right back to Jeremy and then tries to vacate because he wants to get one four flat. You know, he wants to get as far away as possible so the help can't come. But um, everybody knows that. And so Marcus Sasser says, well, I don't give a... Like, he's, he's not going to pass. I'm not worried about Matisse Thibel. I'm not worried about Jabari, Jabari Walker. I'm not worried about Tumani Kamara. I'm not worried about Ashton Higgins. They, the good freaking luck. And he just hard double team on Jeremy Grant, rips it out of his hand. Just an absolute nightmare final play. Um I don't know. Oh, let me talk about that in a moment. As um, Marcus Sasser, who is who was really good in this game, f- flies the other way after getting a steal and misses what a would-be game-winning layup at the buzzer. It was almost going to be an awesome play to end the game, but he smoked the layup, uh, went full Courtney Lee. Uh, with all due respect to my 2009 NBA playoff fanatics, um, with all actually just shout out to y'all. No due respect. Um, Tied at 120 after after uh, regulation. You go to OT. Uh, Jeremy Grant hits a jumper, just a, a, like a 20-footer to start overtime. And the police take a uh, two-point lead. But Marcus Sasser hits a three with three minutes left, and the Pistons would not trail for the remainder of the game. Blazers, Jeremy Grant hits that first shot. Blazers go 0 of 8 with two turnovers <laughs> and then the, to end overtime. It just it absolutely got away from him. Uh, Pistons win 128-122. That's your fastest recap in the West. Jeremy Grant, career-high, 49 points to go with eight boards and six assists. Um, he was 18 of 20 at the free-throw line. <laughs> Dude was dude was attacking and getting fouled and and um, they need they just leaned on him. Uh, Amphrey Simons in three quarters, twenty nine and five assists. Um, if he plays, they win. Like it's just it's not a question. If he plays, they win. But he didn't play and they lost. Uh, Seventeen from Jabari Walker to go with eleven boards. Chris Murray had twelve in this game. Uh, Chris Murray had a play off the dribble that he I've never seen him do before and. Pump fake, drive, help comes, leans in, gets finishes uh, on the right-hand side. Like, every time he plays, he does one little thing that I'm like, I didn't know he did that. Um, he's he's starting to show more and more consistent flashes of a well-rounded game. He hasn't put it all together with consistency, but he made two, both his threes tonight. Um and and like he had that play off the dribble and he and he continues to be to make at least one like just like smart physical defensive play each night uh tonight it was a nice block um inside like he's he's you know i'm not sure that he's much more than a role player in his in like his even his best form but he might be a really useful role player because he has a lot of skills uh on the other side the the three the big the big three of the core four were really good for the pistons jalen duran 27 and 22 jade Ivey had 26 kate cunningham had 23 14 for uh stanley mude and 17 11 dimes for marcus sasser off the bench okay we don't need to talk about this game too much i want to say this um if you're a long-time listener to the program, you know that I think coaching is like a is probably like 25% or a third. I think I'm settled on a third. It's about a third of the equation, right? Like most of what goes into winning and losing is talent. And I think you saw that, right? When the Blazers were who were already missing a bunch of their good players, just like didn't have enough talent, um, the game just started slipping away from them, right? And like talent, it's like 
what's Chauncey going to do? Like, where's he going to look? Sure. I think for the most part in those, in that fourth quarter, when things were crumbling, there's not a lot you can do, but when you get to the, when you get to the final play, that's where a coach can put his imprint on it. And the final play was a, of regulation was an absolute mess absolute mess it was no creativity too obvious um jeremy grant's not a good enough ball handler to handle the double teams you don't put you don't um you know it, it, it was just a mess so that's like that's my that's my um 66 33 split right there 67 33 split right there it's like I think most of this game is lost because the Blazers were low on talent, but then it's like I, the coach had a chance to just like do something like, you know, put his actual imprint on the game, make up for that 33%. And he was just, a, that was just nightmare final play. Um, the other move today that the Blazers made was they signed Ashton Hagens to a 10-day contract. Hagens has been a standout for the Blazers Rip City Remix G League affiliate, um, and he got his, this is his second time playing, in, in or third game, but second stint where he played a couple games with the Minnesota Timberwolves back in 2021, and he's, he's getting his, made his NBA debut, or his Blazers debut, uh, but, his, but his third NBA appearance. Um, I have limited exposure to Ashton Hagens, but uh, but I've I watched him play one game in college, and he ate Carolina's lunch. He just died dominated uh poor Caleb Love and RJ Davis just an absolute defensive um clinic in that game I I I did not care for him because he beat up on my beloved Tar Heels and then I just saw the remix play like a couple weeks ago a month ago and um he was one of the best players on the floor. Um, my impressions of him is that he's someone who can't, he plays really hard on defense, really competitive defensive player um, who cannot shoot, and he's a hard downhill driver but not a great finisher. And I will say, watching this game, <laughs> yeah, nothing changed. Like I don't think he's, um, I think he's pretty far away from an NBA player, um, which you know it's not his fault, but. Um, Ryan Rupert got a, a DNPCD. That's a did not play coach's decision. What would he need to do to play? <laughs> How much worse can he be? Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal that he didn't play, but it is curious to me that it's like um, Rupert just like when the game is just like completely, you know, that you're light on players anyways, you're playing uh, Justin Manaya and Ibu Baji, and, and, and I understand Manaya gets to play because he plays hard on defense and doesn't make mistakes, but he's not good on offense at all. I'm um, like, let's see some Rupert. We're in the, we're in the second half of the season. It, it's okay. It's okay. Um, this is, I think this is a thing that's going to be a big deal for, a small deal for me. It's like, are the Blazers going to lean into it and like develop, allow some for some developmental minutes? Are they going to chase games? Um, if they chase games, it's not like a crime, but it doesn't seem that in, it doesn't seem that productive for where they're at, but also they kept all their vets, right? Like, so they're going to chase games. Um, and I think that balance will be something that I watch uh, for the remainder of the year. It's like, what are those decisions and, and, and what do they look like? Um, because it wasn't like you can take Jeremy Grant out, but there was some other young guys that maybe aren't part of the long-term future Manaya and Higgins when, and, and Rupert is. And it's like, why not let him fail? <laughs> if you're going to lose a 23 point lead to the Pistons, why not let him, why can't he be the guy that does bad? He could do poorly. I, uh, I imagine he could go in there and like, um, Ashton Higgins was minus 28 and 27 minutes in a game. The Blazers lost by six. <laughs> Like, so like, I feel like Ryan repair could probably do that. I feel like he probably could. Um, I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on for the remainder of the season. Uh, how about we do five more of these next week? This is a Friday, February 9th show. We do one every day of the week. 
wherever you get podcasts. Uh, the audio feed comes out late at night, every morning, 8 a.m. In your in waiting in waiting in your feed, you'll find the you'll find the YouTube video. Tell your friends about the podcast. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. Also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.